All right, I want to welcome everybody to the master's class here at Life Change Church. Life Change Church. And we are in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 15 through 17. And if you look at your handout, you'll notice we're going to be in the book of Romans here this morning as well. So we're going to do a little bit of skipping around. Now today we're going to be talking about to be strong in faith. So we're continuing our study of this wonderful, wonderful chapter 17 in the book of Genesis. Now, I said last week that it was more important than the Declaration of Independence, far more important than the Mayflower Compact, and far, far more important than the Constitution of the United States of America. It is a chapter that has shaped all of history because of the promises that God made to Abraham and his seed through Isaac. So God has placed his iron fist upon the events that are occurring on this world, and what God has said he will do, he will do. Amen? Now, several weeks ago, I introduced us to God's school of faith. You guys remember that? The school of faith. Now, I said then that it is a school that most of us will never graduate from because we will spend our entire life learning to truly have the kind of faith that God wants us to have. Well, now today, we are going back to class in that schoolroom that God has for us in the Scriptures. And so we're going to be talking about faith once again. Now, we are in the school of faith, and today we're talking about how to be strong in your faith. To be strong in your faith. Now, Archimedes was a philosopher and a physicist, and he said, you know, if you will give me a lever long enough, and if you will give me a fulcrum with something to rest it on, and if you will give me a place to stand on, I can move the earth. And he was right. Now, for us, that lever is faith. That fulcrum is the Word of God. And that place where we stand is in His grace. And with it, not only can we move the earth, but we can move heaven as well if we learn to be strong in faith. Strong in faith. Everybody ready for this? Everybody ready? All right. So now Abram, as we have said, Abraham, yeah, I can say Abraham now, yeah, because he changed his name, as we have said, is the brightest star in the Hebrew heaven. He is the hero to our Jewish friends. But he is more than a Hebrew and a father to the Jews. He is a father to all of those who believe. All of those who believe. And what a lesson we're going to learn today on how to be strong in faith, because I remind you that the Bible says, according to your faith, be it unto you, in Matthew 9, 29. Now, let's look at a wonderful story in the life of Abraham. And I begin reading right here in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, verses 15 through 17. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings 
of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah, that is ninety, year old, uh, 90 years old, bear? Now, i got to admit something this morning, right up front, okay? One of the drawbacks of studying a book verse by verse is that sometimes I don't look further down in the chapter to see what's coming next, okay? Now, I, I will always glance down through the chapters and through the book and uh, make sure that I know where things are going. But I have taught this often enough, this book of Genesis often enough, that I have a general understanding of all the coming events that are taking place, right? So I get real focused when I'm studying on a set of verses like these uh, three verses that we have here this morning. I get real focused on those verses and I deal with those, right? But I'm also an old man and sometimes I forget things, okay? Now, so last week when there were just a few of you here because of the holidays, all right, So I really didn't have to say anything this week because most of you weren't even here last week, okay? Uh, But my integrity says i got to say something, all right? So last week, I made a big statement about God changing Sarah's name at the same time he changed Abraham's name. And I said that I noticed the change but that I had to go look for it in the commentaries in the Bible dictionary to see if it all really happened. And of course it did, because you can see it in the Scripture. It changes from A-I to A-H, Sarah to Sarah. And you say them both the same ways, but they are spelled differently. All right, And they have a different meaning. Now, what I did not notice is that just eight verses down from where we were last week, God actually states that he is changing her name. And when I saw that this week, I had to sit back and have a good laugh at myself, okay? Because here I was thinking that I'd made some big discovery that I hadn't thought of before. And I told the class it was, and I said, have you guys ever seen any of this? And they all shook their head, nope, nope, didn't know about that at all. And so I said, well, see there, you learned something. And and unfortunately for me, God says it right there in the verses, Eight more verses down that he's, that's what he's doing, okay? And he, it's just plain out there for everybody to see, all right? So I just didn't remember that it was there or that God had plainly told us that he was going to change Sarah's name. Now, I think that was pretty cool that he changed her name and uh, Abraham's name at the same time. And if you think about it, he, Abraham is a name that says that he is the father of the multitude. And Sarah, A-H, Sarah, means that she is the princess of the multitude. And whereas A-I just stands for prince us. So when he changed it to A-H, at the same time as he added A-H into uh, Abraham's name, they both changed to being the father of the multitude and the princess of the multitude. Now, that's still interesting to know, but I just didn't realize it was right there in the verse, eight verses down, okay? Uh, So I'm not as smart as I thought I was, okay? (laughs) <laughs> All right, so now that i got that taken care of, and I've got that off my chest, I can just tell you some new stuff today, right? Yeah, that makes me feel better, yeah. So we see that God tells Abraham 
who is 99 years old that you are going to father a child. Now, last week we talked about Sarah laughing within herself as she heard the angels telling Abraham the same thing in chapter 18. But I want you to notice how Abraham reacted in verse 17. And it says, then Abraham fell on his face. And what did he do? And he laughed, all right, and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Now, the answer to Abraham's question is found in chapter 18, verse 14. And it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now listen, if this verse is not underlined in your Bible, it needs to be, all right? And, and then it should be underlined. It should have a big star beside it as well. I got three stars and an underlining right beside this phrase in my Bible, okay? Because it is that important. Now, don't you just love that this verse says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now what a wonderful, powerful verse this is, Amen. Amen. We serve an almighty God. We serve an almighty God, and nothing is too hard for Him. Now, and then I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 21, and look, if you will, in verses 1 to 3. And it says, And the Lord visited Sarah, as He had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah, as He had spoken. Imagine that. For Sarah conceived and bear Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Now, notice what it says. And the Lord visited Sarah, and as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Oh my gosh, can you believe that? God actually does what He says He's going to do. That's just amazing, isn't it? God did exactly what He said He would do. Now the name Isaac, if you don't know it, means laughter. Laughter. Now here's Abraham. He's 100 years old, and Sarah is 90 years old, and they have a son. And it does kind of cause you to laugh a little bit, yeah? Uh, that, that somebody that old is... Uh, because it, the story is not just ludicrous, it's joyful. It is a joyful story that these two have a son at this time of their life. And, and what a wonderful thing God did to prove that there is nothing. Listen, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. And in this wonderful story, God gives us an illustration of what strong faith is. Now, in order to help us to understand the message that we have here in this story, I, I'm going to jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say about all of this. And I mean what happened back in the Old Testament story has so much to say to us today because what God said to Abraham is not simply what God was saying and what God was doing, but in many ways it is what God is saying and what God is doing today. So look with me in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16. Now, here is the Apostle Paul, and he's telling us something about the faith of Abraham. We're going to read uh, 16 through 20. 
Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now notice there he's talking about you and me. He's talking about all of us, not just the Jews. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Again, not just the Jews, many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. Now that word quickeneth means he gives life to the dead. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now he's speaking now of Abraham when he says, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, and when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, the Bible says that Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God, but he was strong in faith. Now, I want to talk to you today about how to have a strong faith. And we're going to look at this passage here in Romans chapter 4, and there are four wonderful, wonderful truths that I want you to learn. And I hope you'll not miss them. And I want you to get these four things about a strong faith emblazoned in your heart and etched them into your consciousness. I want them to reverberate through your soul because I want for you what I want for myself, a strong faith. A strong faith. Now, I want you to pay close attention and see what happened to Abraham, and I want you to understand that it is an example to you. This is God teaching you a lesson in his school of faith and how to have a strong faith. Everybody with me so far? Amen. All right. Romans chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. It says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That is, to Abraham for righteousness. But then I want you to put a star next to these next verses. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, now who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now, what he is saying is this. If we believe as Abraham believed, then we will receive as Abraham received. That simple, right? Now, what a great encouragement that is because Abraham was not perfect. We all know the story of Abraham, and he was not perfect. We've already seen some of the things he did down in Egypt, right? He was not perfect. In fact, he failed in many ways. But God remembered him not for his faults, but for his faith. In the New Testament, you don't read a single verse about the faults of Abraham. It's just about the faith of Abraham. This tells us that for all of us who are so imperfect, there is one thing that we need to do, and that is to love God and to believe God, and all of our faults will not be remembered. Amen? Amen. So the first thing that I want you to know about strong faith is that strong faith releases the grace of God. 
Have you got that? It releases the grace of God. Look in verse 16 again. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. Meaning that without faith you'll never know grace. Therefore it is of faith that it might be grace to the end the promise might be sure. Now it always amazes me how Paul is so logical. You see, what is grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving us and showing us His great, wonderful love. There's nothing we can do to deserve it or to earn it at all. Augustus M. Toplady said, Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. Isn't that wonderful? Grace is the unmerited love and favor of God that is just given to us. It's just given to us. Now, how can you get in on this unmerited love and favor of God? Oh, how can you get on, in on it? Only by faith. Only by faith. Now, if you begin to work for it, if you begin to pay for it, then it's no longer grace. It's no longer grace. You see, if it is by grace, then by definition, it is no longer works, otherwise work is not work. And if it is by works, then by definition of the word work, it is not by grace, otherwise grace is no more grace. This is what the Bible says. You can't mix grace and works. So the only way that grace can be grace is through faith. That is the only way that grace can be grace. Now, let me tell you that unbelief, unbelief holds grace prisoner. Unbelief holds grace prisoner. If you are an unbeliever, grace will never work in your heart and in your life. You see, the Bible said is it is by faith so that it can be by grace. Now, do you remember reading about the Lord Jesus Christ when he was in his hometown of, of Nazareth? And the Bible says when he was there, he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Now, in John 1.14, it tells us that the Lord Jesus was full of grace and truth. And the Lord Jesus wanted to bless the people of his hometown of Nazareth. But Matthew 13, verse 58 says he did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief, right? Now, God is full of grace. His grace is amazing grace. It's overflowing to you, but the only way you're going to be able to release that grace, the only way that you're going to set that grace free is by faith. Faith is the key that enables you to get God's grace. Romans 5, 2 says, By whom also we have access by what? Faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, the only way you're going to get into this grace is by faith. Faith is the key. It just opens the door and it gets you in there where grace is or it grace out here where you are. You see, it is so important that you know the grace of God. However, it is faith that releases the grace of God. Look at how Paul argues here in verse 16 of chapter 4. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure. Might be sure. Now, how would you like to know? I mean absolutely know that you are saved. 
without any question. How can you be sure that the promise is sure? It has to be by faith. Not a hope-so faith, but a no-so faith that is based on the evidence and the promises that are found in the Word of God. That's the only way you're ever going to be sure. There's not going to be signs. There's not going to be anything else. You're going to be sure because your faith is, is in what the Word of God says and the promises of the Word of God. Now, suppose salvation was by good works. Let's just suppose, okay? Then the truth is you would never know whether you've ever done enough to be saved. If salvation was by works, when you would ask me, Brother Keith, are you saved? And I'd have to say, well, you know, I think I am. I hope I am. I'm doing the best that, that I can. I, I've done some nice things. I've prayed. I've worked. I teach a, a Bible study lesson. You know, I, I help a lot of people. Uh, and, and I have given to the church. But now, on the other hand, I haven't been praying quite as much as I think I ought to. And, and I haven't done all the things that I think I should all the time. I was mean to somebody the other day. Uh, I, I was impatient with somebody the other day. They asked me a stupid question. I got impatient. No. No. Not, not really, but I, I am short on patience around stupid questions, okay? But that's okay. Uh, I, I'm being facetious here right now. All right. So, however, I really haven't been all that bad. Well, so I guess I would have to say that I hope I am saved. Because I just don't know for sure if I've done enough. Right? Now, do you know anybody like that? you know anybody that believes in faith and works? Faith and works? The world's full of it. You see, if that's what you believe, then you can never, never know for sure. Praise God, I know that I am saved because God tells us that it is by faith that the promise might be sure to all of us. You see, if it were of works, then nobody could be sure. Nobody would ever be able to say, I know I've done enough. All you could say is, I am hope, I am saved. Now let me tell you about strong faith. Now listen to me carefully here. It releases the grace of God. It releases the grace of God. Unbelief holds grace as a prisoner, but it is by grace that the promise might be sure. And grace makes it available by faith Faith makes grace available. Everybody got that? Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't go to sleep on me now. All right. Now, the second thing I want you to notice about this strong faith, not only does strong faith release the grace of God, but strong faith relies on the guarantees of God. It relies on the guarantees of God. Verses 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, meaning the Jews, but to that also which is of by faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. This tells us, that we have a sure promise, a written guarantee from God right there in His Word. Now, strong faith always relies on God's guarantees. It does not rely on you or what you wish or what you want, but on what God 
has said. You see, all faith is rooted in the knowledge of God's will and God's promises. And without this, there can be no faith. Now, the reason that many people don't pray in faith is that they are only guessing about the will of God. Now, wouldn't you say that's true? You see, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It also says in 1 John five fourteen, if we ask anything according to what His will, He heareth us. Now, many of us simply don't know the will of God. And if you don't know the will of God, then you will never be able to pray with faith. If you're only guessing at the will of God, then you cannot possibly pray with faith. And let me tell you something else. Some of you don't even try to know the will of God. Some of us get the idea that prayer and faith are in some way a bending of God's will to fit our will. We're telling God what we want and we're trying to uh, convince him that what we want is the right thing, right? We're trying to bend his will to fit our will. We're superimposing our will onto the will of God. Now listen, faith is not man's way of getting man's will done on the earth. It is God's way of getting God's will done in heaven and on the earth. Now let me say that to you again just so it's not confusing. And it's right there in your handout as well. Faith is not man's way of getting man's will done in heaven, but God's way of getting God's will done on earth. So much of our praying is either guessing at the will of God or trying to force our will upon God's will. Now, God has never, never promised that if you have enough faith, then you can have what you want. Do you know that? I'm going to say that again. I'm going to keep repeating things just to make sure you get it in that, that uh, stubborn head of yours, okay? Uh, all right. I will say that again just to be sure. God has never promised that if you have enough faith, if you just believe strong enough, that you can have what you want. That you can have what you want. You know, if that were the truth, what a mess we'd make if that were true. Oh, my goodness. You'd act, you would suddenly become God. And you'd take over the universe, and what a mess you'd make of it. Uh, really? Yeah. To the contrary, the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen. so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is not a positive feeling. Faith is not following a hunch. Faith is not hoping for the best. Faith is not a feeling of optimism. Faith is getting from God and strong faith relies upon the guarantees of God. God must speak and God has given us a written guarantee. God has given us His Word. And in verse 16, the promise is sure. And in verse 17, the promises are written for us. Now, the only way you can have faith, therefore, is to hear God. Now, Romans 10, verse 14, it asks a question. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Act question that Paul is asking is one I've heard a hundred times. Okay? It is how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now the New American Standard gives it this way and it makes it a little more clear. Same verse in, uh, in the New American Standard. How then will they call in, 
on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? You see, faith is not hearing about God. Faith is hearing God. The prerequisite for faith is hearing God. Now, you can read the Bible and not hear God. Did you know that? You can read the Bible and not hear God. Unsaved people can read the Bible and God doesn't speak to them. Saved people who are out of fellowship with God can read the Bible and God does not speak with them. This book, this is the Word of God. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, it is the Word of God. But it doesn't become the Word of God until you hear God. You get a word from the Word, a rima from the Logos. And the Bible says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? You say, well, Brother Keith, now that's very important. That's very important then that, that we know that, right? I've got to learn to hear from God if I want faith. And that's exactly right. How much time do you spend alone with God? How much time do you spend on your face before God? How much time do you spend getting quiet before God? You know, we all rush around here and there, and, and we're never quiet before God, and we are never attuned to God, and it is no wonder that you never hear from God if you're not attuned to God. And if you never hear God, it is no wonder that you are not strong in faith. Now, I want to be real clear here and tell you that in all my Christian life, I have never heard God speak audibly to me. Right out there in that voice, God has never spoken audibly to me. Now, He just hasn't done that to me. Now, there are those who say that God has spoken audibly to them. Now, if that is you, then bless you. And I'm glad for you, but God has not done that for me. But I can truly say that God has spoken to me through the Holy Spirit, through His leading, and through His wisdom and His strength. I promise you all week long that I am studying these lessons. The Holy Spirit is speaking to me, and God is speaking to me as I prepare these things. He opens the Word of God to my heart, and He brings me understanding, and in doing so, He opens the door to faith and to grace. Amen? So we see that faith releases the grace of God and that faith relies on the guarantees of God. God has got to give you a guarantee. God has got to give you a word. Now, the third thing that I want you to notice about strong faith is that strong faith recognizes the greatness of God. Verses 17 through 19 of chapter 4 of the book of Romans. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. And when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I said that true faith is rooted in the promise, but not only in the promise, but in the one who made the promise, right? You cannot really trust a promise unless you know who made that promise. You see, you have to go beyond the promise to the man or the one who makes the promise. Now, have you ever had someone make a very solemn promise to you, 
and then not keep it. They tell you they're going to do something, and they promised you they would do it. Yet even when you heard them promise to do this thing, you knew that the chances were slim to none that they were ever going to do it, right? You see, you cannot really trust a promise unless you know who made that promise. You have to go beyond the promise to the one who makes the promise. Now often, when you know the person's character, you don't really expect them to keep the promises to you. Now, in this situation, you got a promise, you had that, and you have a word, you have a word from them. But the man behind the word was no good, so the promise was no good. And so if you are to have faith, not only must you have the word of God and a word from God, you must also understand the character of God who gives the word. Listen, you cannot trust the promises of somebody you do not know and believe. Psalms 9.10 says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Now you've got to know the name of God. And in the Bible, the name of God stands for the character of God. Everything in the Christian life and in strong faith depends upon an adequate understanding of who God is. Now, if your faith is weak, then get to know God. Get to know God. That is, that was the ambition of the Apostle Paul. Oh, that I might know him. In Philippians 3.10, did you know that it is really not a compliment to call someone a strong man of faith? It's really not a compliment. Now, I want to have strong faith. But that's not a compliment to say that I have strong faith. You say, well, Keith, you have strong faith. You're just a wonderful teacher. Yep. Nope, that's, I, that's not a compliment to me. Let me illustrate to you. you know, I was talking to someone the other day about my wife, Janice, that I love and trust. Now, when I'm away from home, someone might say, well, Keith, while you're gone, who watches Janice? Who supervises her, oh, goodness gracious, so that you can trust her while you're away? I, I, I mean, how do you know that she's not going to spend all of your money how do you know that she's not going to have some boyfriend out while you're gone? And I say, well, I just don't worry about it. They look at me and say, you don't worry about it at all? Not at all. Not even a little bit? Not even a teeny weensy bit do I worry about it. I just don't worry about it at all. And you say, well, what a wonderful man of faith you are. I say, oh, no. What a wonderful wife I have. What a wonderful wife I have. You see, you're not bragging on me when you well know how trustworthy she is. No, you're bragging on her. You, you see, your faith is no better than the object of your faith. And to call you a great person of faith simply means that you have got somebody great that you have put your faith in. Now, what I'm trying to say is that Abraham had faith. And number one, that released the grace of God. And number two, he had faith that relied on the guarantee of God. And number three, he had faith that recognized the greatness of God. The next thing that I want you to see about the greatness of God is that there is no problem God cannot solve. 
I've probably got 10 minutes here left in this lesson. Do you want me to keep going or do you guys want me to stop and finish up next week? Stop. You want me to stop? Stop. Everybody wants me to stop. All right. We'll stop and we'll, uh, we'll pick up here next week, okay? Now, that means I'm going to actually re-summarize a lot of what I just said because you won't remember everything I said. All right. Yeah, all right. So, uh, this, this is good stuff and I don't want you to miss it, okay? <laughs> I can get it done in about 10 minutes probably, so, uh, but, uh, uh, but that's all right. We'll, we'll stop right here because I got about five more pages of notes to go through and, uh, so it, it, it'll put, put us late getting into the service. And, uh, so, all right. We'll stop here.